You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome back. Man, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's podcast. I sure have. I mean, think about this. We are... We're like 300 plus episodes into our uh, weekly podcast, and that's huge for me. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I'm thinking back through that, that was a lot of podcasts, and I can I can absolutely confidently tell you that this week's uh, content for me has been some of my favorite content that we've done in over 300 episodes. So I've been loving it. Hope you have. And uh, Stroh, I just want to thank you for being a part of it. Jeremy Stroh, our student pastor, college pastor. Um, and local philosophers with us. Yeah, I say that jokingly because yeah, right. what a lot of people don't know is that I mean you've you've enjoyed philosophy and logic and apologetics and Christian thought for a long time. And so I think these these podcasts are your strong suit. Yeah, I'll talk to you about it for far too long. Yeah, so be but, careful. Well, for me, I'm enjoying this. You know, yeah, and I and, and it's much better because you agreed to be in the room and support these. Well, thanks, so thanks, a, thanks a ton, man. Yeah. Um, okay, so all these podcast episodes are essentially the result of our apologetics uh, retreat that you hosted this past weekend with our college students. I was really impressed with that. I said, hey, Stro, will you share, you know, kind of the distilled version of some of that content with the yeah. church? So thanks for doing it. It's been a great week. We'll do a few more of these um, maybe next week, and we'll wrap up there. Uh, church family, I would love to know if you're liking the content. If you are, you can you know you can make comments, you can text us or give us an email or something. But we'd love to know uh, how the podcast benefits you and how often you're sharing these with friends, so that we can can evaluate how effective this ministry is for getting the word out, for getting thought out, and helping uh, helping believers love the Lord better. Well, let's get into today's content. So, Stro, we've talked about the resurrection. We've talked about um, miracles. We we left off with our last podcast just by acknowledging the difference between naturalism and supernaturalism, mm-hmm. the, the belief, and, and they don't have to be contradictory. Like a supernaturalist totally believes in the natural world. You know, yeah. I am a supernaturalist. I believe in God. I believe in you know, supernatural things. But I totally, totally believe in the world that I experience with touch, taste, sight, yeah, and sound, right? Absolutely. But that brings us to today's uh, podcast episode, which is super near and dear to my heart. And we're going to talk about um, faith and science. So, you know, if, I, if we're going to give this a, a, I guess, a title, you know, we would say like faith and science. Are they, are they friends or are they foes? And I'm just going to, I'm going to kick off with this idea that a lot of us would say that that we, we pick up cues from culture, whether it's in our school classrooms with our friends or whether it's on the television shows that we watch. I watch a lot of science shows. Yeah. I certainly see this mm. all the time. Yeah, yeah. There's almost the assumption that if, if you, if you uh, submit to the rules of science, the results of science, um, then you are going to hold God at arm's length or dismiss him altogether. You know, that the version of faith that I hold, believing in a, in a living and active God that is in our world and working in our world, you know, that that is not compatible. So here's a question, Stro. Faith and science, are they friends or foes? I would sure like to fix this one because it's important to me. All right, so go. Friends or foes? Yeah, so we usually get that argument, like you said, well, faith is what you do whenever you don't have an answer and you just want a quick, quick result. Science is where we work really hard and... We figure out what's really going on. Okay, uh, that's that's kind of where that. As goes. if it's intellectually more credible. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. We worked hard. We figured out the answer, and once we figured it out, there's just no more room for this 
I don't know how it works, so I'm going to say it, God did it. Yeah, almost uh, as if faith is assumed to be a, a cop-out. Yeah, faith okay. is, yeah, this, the phrase is God of the gaps, which means if there's any gaps in your understanding of the world, you just say, God did it, and you don't take time to think. I see. I don't think that's the way it works, though. And I think, man, there's an easy illustration that I like to use with folks who make this argument. Um, if faith and science um, don't work together, if they're foes, you would expect, I would expect, that scientists who have faith would be at a severe disadvantage. Okay, so so Christian scientists, they're going to be struggling with that you know, dichotomy of faith and science, and they're going to stink at their science. Yeah, yeah, their faith apparently is going to get in the way of their science, right? Okay. I mean, that would be the argument. That would be a logical argument. Yeah, if they're against each other, you would expect them to struggle. Here's what's interesting. Uh, is there any way for us to, to evaluate how scientists are doing um, in their scientific realm? And I would say one good example right here, and this one, this is simple. Um, Nobel Prize winners in the last hundred years, right? All right, that's a gold standard for science. That's a great scientist. All right, all right. Of those, of those scientists, right, sixty-four point five percent of them are theists. They believe in a god. They have faith, um, which raises the question: Wait a minute, is faith a disadvantage or is it an advantage? It's certainly not a hindrance because you got more than the majority of scientists who won the Nobel Prize. Um, arguing that there is a God out there. Hey, that's super encouraging to me, right? So, I mean, I, I grew up in a science household. My dad's a science teacher and a Sunday school teacher, right? Mm-hmm. My, mm-hmm. I mean, my, my brother's a science teacher yeah. and, you know, faithful in his church. I mean, my whole family, we're science people and, and we're people of faith. So I've never felt that you had to pick. Like, I've, I just, it's never seemed to me that you had to accept science or faith. But you're exactly right. People... I think people feel that you do. Like, it's generally the idea of culture. So it's super encouraging to me to hear that if 64% of Nobel Prize winning scientists were theists, that they had a belief in God, okay, then they're not exclusive ideas. No, yeah. And the thing is, this is not a, this is a new idea that science and faith are against each other. I mean, if you look back, so Einstein, Isaac Newton, Pascal, Francis Bacon, who gave us the scientific method, Galileo, Francis Collins, who mapped the human genome with, with the, the team. The, the human with, genome problem yeah. project. Um, man, Copernicus, Mendel, Pasteur, who gave us vaccinations and that kind of Louis process. Pasteur. Let's go, right? Yeah. All of these guys are theists. They believe there was a God. In fact, Isaac Newton, right, in his principles said, like, what I find, I believe, is the result of a God who has ordered this world. The natural order that I look for, the reason I believe I can do science and do it well is because of what I'm seeing, the truths I'm seeing, the order I'm seeing in mathematics and in science, in the physical world. Awesome. Okay, so you're seeing historically, and you're also seeing just in the you know statistically that yeah. that scientists can have faith. That scientists who have faith are not at a disadvantage. And in fact, great scientists of our history have said it makes sense to them that God is a God of order. That science is a study of his natural world, and his and there and it's governed. This natural world is governed by his natural laws, and the reason they see this order instead of chaos is because there is a God who has ordered it. Uh, I'll just throw out a little caveat while you get ready to move to your next principle. Yeah. And I may be sort of abusing this, but like in science, we have this law that you know that systems left untended naturally deteriorate or they move towards mm. or towards higher levels of chaos or entropy yeah. entropy yeah. right they 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 decay they come apart they don't um that they they don't become more ordered or more tight and so it's really kind of it's for me easy to think well yes absolutely there's a god that has created 
this system to work this way, and to, he cares for it and governs. Love it. All right. So, what what did you bring us about um, faith and science by way of like definitions? You know, well, I know one yeah. way to get to this question is just to think: Well, what is faith and what is science? Are they really mutually exclusive? And I think that's that is where the problem happens um, because we have this situation. We go: How is it possible that so many faithful people? Um, so many theists, so many people who believe in a God and His order, how is it possible that they are able to do science so well? How do we explain that? And I think it's because we have, if we have the right definitions of faith and science, accurate definitions of faith and science, um, that helps. I think sometimes the scientific world gives us a bad definition of faith. And um, so let's take a minute to see what is faith, what is science, and can they work together just based on their definition. So faith, when you hear faith, um, man, some folks would say, well, it's believing without good reason. It's, it's trusting in something without any evidence. And I would say that's not faith. Yep. That, you might call that blind faith. Right. Right. I, I guess we could use that term. Blind faith would be saying, I believe. I don't have any good reasons for it. Right. But real faith isn't, isn't that way at all. In fact, the, probably the simple definition of faith is trust our belief in someone or something. And you can have good reasons for that faith. You may not. But if you don't have good reasons, we call it blind faith. When you do have good reasons, it's still faith. Evidence doesn't stop faith. So you were you were setting this up before we started recording by talking about John's gospel. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Give that to the podcast. Sure. So some folks would argue that Scripture asks for blind faith, no good reasons, no good evidence. You just have to trust in God and walk in faith, and you don't have anything. The trouble is that Scripture doesn't ask that of us anywhere. For instance, if you look at John chapter twenty. John, as he's wrapping up the gospel, he says, I mean, the miracles that Jesus did, they could fill books and books and books. There's more than just what I've given you. Then he says, but what I've given you, I've given you so that you can believe. And by believing, you can have life. And his point was to go, I'm giving you some good evidence for who Jesus is, for what he claimed, and for the gospel. He's not asking you to believe without good evidence. He's saying, I've got some good evidence. That's the whole point of my gospel. More than that, if you look at the book of 1 John, he opens the book by saying, this is the first thing he says to his audience, what we've seen with our eyes, what we have tasted, right? what we have touched with our own hands, right? with physical evidence, we proclaim the gospel to you. We're not telling you some rumor what we've heard. We have physically encountered Jesus and what he did in the world. We have physically encountered this gospel, and so we believe it to be true. This is not hearsay. This is, as far as they're concerned, experiential. So even in the definition of faith, um, you know, it's important to recognize that this is trust with good reason. Like I trust the character. Yeah. I think faith is so relational too. Like hmm. um, I mean, I'm not trust. I'm not going to trust myself to just any God somebody might present to me. Yeah. I'm trusting myself to one God. To, to, to the Lord who's redeemed me through Jesus Christ, my Savior, right? And I'm, and I'm doing that on the basis of what he's shown me about his character, I mean, on evidence of who I found him to be. And so I'm down with that. I don't, I don't think that faith is always one. Now, here's the deal. I'll do the things he tells me to do now because I've developed trust. I mean, sure. I've, I've learned to trust him. That being the case, okay, so faith um, on that definition doesn't sound like it would be mutually exclusive to science. In other words, people who have faith aren't blindly placing an unreasonable trust without any evidence. Uh, That's not at all what's happening. No, many of those folks would say all the science that I have done in my life, all of the order that I've seen, all of the structure, all of the systematic working together, its complexity, 
it points me to Towards, God. Yeah. I'm using this as evidence that helps secure my faith That's right. in God. The same way that I look at Robin. And Robin and I have been married, you know, we've got about 15 years. We knew each other for years before that. And so whenever I say, I trust that Robin will be loyal, I believe that she's going to be faithful. I don't know that tomorrow she won't mess up. She won't be disloyal. But I believe she won't. And it's because I have 20 years of good reasons. I can't tell you what will happen tomorrow. But I have faith, and that faith is backed up by 20 years of evidence. So based on the definition we have of faith, and then based on the definition we have of science, you know, the exploration of the natural world, you know, the empirical means, yeah. uh, those two, I, they're, not, they're, they're not contradictory. No, science, you know, that scientific method we observe, we hypothesize, we make good educated guesses about what's happening, then we test it. We look at our, we evaluate our results, and then we repeat and we keep going. That's not, that's not at odds with faith. You know, one of the things I would even say as a guy who, who respects and values science, it's been so long, by the way, since I did any legitimate science, you know, in college and was studying to be mm-hmm. a science teacher, that, I mean, I can't say, hey, I'm a scientist. I'm not. But I, I love and admire science and scientists, right? Um, but one of the things that's bothered me for a long time about this argument is when people assume that if you believe in science, you can't believe in God, I would even say that in the field of science, that would be bad science. Oh, sure. Because when we say that we believe in God, I'm talking about a supernatural being. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a, a, an intelligent God that created the heavens and the earth, but a God who exists as spirit. And the fact is science has no means of testing the spiritual world. Science has, there's, yeah. there's no way for us to experiment and prove that God doesn't exist. So if you were really going to be having great integrity with your science, even if you didn't believe in God, you'd have to look up and go, but I, we can't prove that with science. Yeah. So it's really, it's almost, I mean, to me, there's something else going on there when we feel, and when somebody in the scientific community would be feel compelled to dismiss God on the basis of science. Science just can't answer those questions. Yeah, I think that's a good place for us to kind of settle into and wrap up. The question is, can science answer everything? I mean, what can science answer? Are there places that it can't? Isaac Newton, um, because he's a brilliant, brilliant scientist, and he he saw it this way. He said that, that science is about law and mechanism. It's about understanding relationships, how things work together, and why things work together the way that they do, right? Okay. But it can't answer the questions of cause and agency, meaning science is going to explore gravity, how it works, why it works, like the interactions. But if you were to look up like a child would look up, and usually it's child-like questions that science can't answer very well, um, and you ask, but why is there gravity? Right? Now, the scientists would go, well, because it's what holds everything together. We have to have it or it isn't there. But that's not really an answer. You can't say, well, because we have to have it. We can explain the mechanisms that make it work. That's it. And we can explain what would happen if it did not exist. But why it's there instead of not being there? That's not a scientific question. Scientific, science explains the law and the nature of things. But it doesn't explain the why of things. Why they have to be there. Where they came from. Where they got their start. And that's the, the question of agency, which is a philosophical art. And some, like for theists, it's supernatural questions. We would say why it's there is because God designed it with order and structure so that we would get the kind of natural law. There's a great example that you you like and I like, and it's an example of the boiling teapot, right? I love it. There we go. So we got a we got the the pot on the stove, we got the kettle, and it's starting to boil. And the question is why 
Is the kettle boiling, Ben? Yeah, that's right. So why why is the kettle boiling? Uh, so I heard this from John Lennox. Uh, there's a little book that you recommend to tons of people. In fact, I stole one of your copies this week. Uh, what's, the, what's the title of the book, right? Yeah, Can Science Explain Can Everything? Can Science Explain Everything? Anyway, it's amazing. It's, thanks a ton, man. I mean, it's a short read. If you're a scientifically minded person, you should you should snatch this up. It's under 100 pages. It's, that's right. And Lennox is brilliant. He's a great guy. Okay, so why is the water boiling? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm going to use my house, right? Because yeah. because in my house, you know, there's a there's a there's a, uh, a flame as the, as the propane gas is burning uh, inside my my teapot. My tea my tea kettle is not copper, you know. It's mm-hmm. just it's just metal. I mean, it's, there you go. So my metal teapot is experiencing heat from the flame, and through the through the power of conduction and the mechanisms therein, the molecules inside that metal are beginning to expand and rattle around. They're conducting heat to the water that's touching the side of that metal. As the water begins to absorb the heat, the molecules begin to expand and become more active and move around. Um, and eventually, when that water reaches the boiling point of water, which at some altitudes, most altitudes, would be 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Here it is. My water begins to rumble and boil. Gases are released in a chemical exchange, and that gas comes up in, in, in rolling bowls, is released into the air, steam, and the water is boiling. Boom. And why that is why the water is boiling. So that's a, I mean, that's like a fifth grade scientific explanation. I'm that sure is I left why out some stuff. it's boiling. But Ben, that's not the question I'm asking. Okay. So why is the water boiling? The other the other answer to that is? Because Lindsay wants some tea this morning. Yeah. Lindsay wants to drink a little bit of tea this morning. And so the water is boiling. And those two aren't the same thing. One is an answer of agency. Lindsay and her motivation for having a cup of tea this morning. The other is an answer of science, the nature of what it takes to boil the water. They're not the same question. One is a law and mechanism. The other is agency or so cause. So if we scoot back to the 10,000 foot view, that little bit of illustration about why is the water boiling because I want some tea or yeah. because of the, the, the chemistry and the physics inside the pot. Right. Um, if we scoot back and apply that at a 10,000 foot you know view, to the cosmos and to the world. It's a beautiful way to think about the relationship between God and science. Mm-hmm. Between God, this this powerful agency of a triune God that loves his creation, has has purpose and plans and desires, uh, and all the means that he uses to carry that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Stro, thanks for doing a great podcast with us about uh, faith and, and science. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for your ministry. Thanks for what you're teaching our college students and our church. Hey, podcast listeners, if you benefited from this episode of the podcast, I totally encourage you to share with some friends, make a comment, and let's get this episode out there. Cannot wait to see you this Sunday. I love you. God bless you.